ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. A sinking boat at sea. It's basically the worst case scenario you can have as a skipper or anyone on board for that matter. But you know the emergency has gone well when there's time to think about what you're wearing when the rescue unfolds. Please bear in mind this next clip has a little bit of colourful language, but considering the circumstances, we've decided to allow it. Still had my dharmas on, mate. That was my main worry. I had my boxer shorts on with red watermelons on them. I said, I can't be picked up wearing this shit. That's the skipper of a sinking prawn trawler. He was a bit worried about what rescuers would make of his brightly coloured watermelon boxer shorts. You'll hear next what happens when everything goes right in a maritime emergency. A boat sinking is a dreadful tragedy and can actually be fatal and go so wrong in so many ways. But you know that an emergency has gone well, well as well as to be expected, when the skipper has time to think about what he's wearing as he and his crew are being rescued. Steve Underhill and his crew, including his wife and 17-year-old stepson, were picked up by a passing barge, the Albatross Bay, after activating an emergency distress beacon on Tuesday evening off the coast of Cooktown. The skipper has told the ABC's Charlie McKillop he knew immediately water was coming on too fast to do anything other than abandon the boat and wait for help to arrive. Oh, about 4.30 in the afternoon, I lifted the engine hatch and seen an engine in full of water. I didn't know where the water was coming in at that stage of the game. I just um, closed the engine hatch and abandoned ship. It was way too deep to worry about pumping out. We'd already lost it. No pumps, no electricity, no nothing. So abandon ship and worry about our safety. Get the life raft and the tinny off the roof and um, get all our personals and what safety gear we need in the tinny and we're out of there. Which we got to sit on the main boat until Sea Swift Story came over and picked us up and we all watched it sink. The MB Albatross Bay just happened to be cruising past on its way to Horn Island. Yeah, it was very lucky, but yeah, plan B was to go onto shore, set up camp and wait for the rescue there. But yeah, we didn't have to, mate. We're only two mile off the beach, mate, and we had a tinny and the life raft, so we, we had we were safe. The weather was flat, glassy, calm too, which helped. How long do you estimate that that all took? Well, we let the EPIRF off and the border force plane flew over us within 20 minutes. That call went goes to Canberra and Canberra sends the nearest plane to us out to see where we were. So, which you done two flybys and by that stage, Sea Swift were already there. Launching their rescue craft to come and pick us up. So the plane done two flyovers and then left. There's also a helicopter there. The Cape Trib helicopter that takes the tourists up to Cape Trib, it also flew over. So, yeah, we had plenty of rescue, mate. What was going through your mind when you're abandoning ship, no power and no radio comms? Um, what was going through my mind? Oh, well, now we're all jobless and yeah, no money coming in next week. <laughs> yep. Mate, I, yeah, I fished all my life, mate. It was pretty well controlled. Everyone was safe. A bit different if it happens at night time because you lose all your lights and everything. And You know what I mean? In the daytime, at least you can see what's going on. So, yeah, you know, I had my wife and my stepson, and um, they're not experienced, so they're the ones what I had to sort of take most time in looking after. My other crew's a, a skipper. 
so he knew what to do as well. So there was two experienced blokes on the boat that sort of controlled everything. So what happened after you get off the albatross, you, you then get taken to the closest port? Yeah, mate, the Coast Guard, the volunteer air sea rescue Coast Guard came out to pick us up, which I think the water police organised. Um, they came and picked us up. They were great. They were very accommodating. So we felt pretty looked after. And Steve, you, I know you've only had what less than 48 hours to process all of this, but um, what do you reckon went wrong? I think just an old vessel, mate, and she sprung a plank. You know, there's a few leaks on it before we sunk, but those leaks obviously got worse during the day. So we work at night time and sleep during the day and we wake up in the afternoon to builds alarms going off. So we don't really know what happened down the engine room, mate. But, um, yeah, something let go and she's filled the boat full of water to the point where the auxiliary's under, KVA's under, you lose all your power. And, um, yeah, it's pretty well dead shit. At that stage, you need to evacuate... <laughs> You ever been in a position where you've had to do that before? No, I haven't, mate. It's the first one I've ever been on what sunk. It's a hell of a, an emergency drill that you've just been through. Yeah, mate. Yeah, all the crew were really up on their safety drills. We'd only just been talking about it a few days prior, so it was lucky. We'd done a few safety drills so everyone knew what was going on. you got to train your crew in case of an emergency, so... It really does sound as though it's kind of a best-case scenario in, in the worst possible circumstances when you're at sea. Yeah, mate. Well, like I said, many of boats go down and they don't find the crew. They're lost in the process, you know, which uh, everyone got off this one vibe and happy and well. So that's the only thing I'm worried about. How are you feeling now back in the port of Cooktown? Oh, yeah, we're doing all right, mate. We're just trying to get home now. We've got to get back to Nisrael and which our boss has um, hired as a car. Yeah, he's been really good. He could have just wiped his hands with a lot of this, and he's been very good to Kenny. Yeah, but, you know, everyone here in Cooktown's been great. Everyone, the Coast Guard fellas, they were, they were really good. Eh? We got in about 10 o'clock and we were all that exhausted. They even parked the boat close to the motel we were in so we could transfer all our stuff from there to the motel. Pretty hard to book in somewhere at 10.30 at night, mate. <laughs> That's what you call a late check-in, is it? Yeah, three, four people all wearing no shoes and look like you just come out of World War Three. <laughs> oh, thank goodness you can laugh about it yeah. now, Steve. Thanks so much. I still had my dharmas on, mate. That was my main worry. I had my boxer shorts on with red watermelons on them. I said, I can't be picked up wearing this shit. <laughs> Excuse that language. Perhaps warranted, given that... The skipper of the FV Santiago was watching his boat sink. That's Steve Underhill, grateful that he and his crew were in good hands after activating their emergency beacon as his boat sunk about three kilometres off the coast of Cooktown on Tuesday evening. Now, it wasn't only the crew of the sunken prawn trawler who performed well under pressure. The ship Albatross Bay was only kilometres away on its regular freight run to the Torres Strait when Santiago's emergency beacon was activated. Captain Gerard Woolridge explains how his crew mobilised quickly and did exactly what they needed to do. Uh, We're up on the bridge, myself and the chief mate. Um, We're up there, we're just underway towards Horn Islands from Cairns, and um, yeah, we got a call on the sat phone from the Joint Rescue Communications Centre in Canberra, and, and um, they asked us to go and uh, approach the vessel and just see what was happening, because there was no other contact except for the EPIB had been set off. How far were you from the Santiago at that time? Oh, about maybe five miles, maybe 30 minutes steaming. 
when you get that call, are you a bit anxious about what you might find, or do they are they able to describe the situation for you? Well, in this situation, it was just the EPIRB that had gone off. Um, usually, if uh, you would also have the radio contact as well. Um, when the EPIRB went off and the Joint Rescue Centre asked us to make approach, we started attempting to call uh, the Santiago on the on the radio, but there was no response. So, on approach, we were sort of getting ourselves ready for any occurrence. It could have been a medical emergency. Could have been a fire. In this case, the vessel was sinking, obviously. But yeah, on the way over, we're just thinking about anything that could be going wrong and trying to get prepared. When you arrived, what did you find? Um, the vessel was sitting low in the water. We noticed that in the binoculars. And there was a dinghy floating off the back of the boat and they had their life raft out as well. Once we got there, we uh, stopped the, the ship and launched our small rescue boat and uh, the rescue boat went in to, to make contact. Do you do drills for this kind of thing? Is it something that you always have to be prepared for? Yeah, definitely. We all do drills with the rescue boat once a month, and all the crew are trained prior to joining the ship on how to operate rescue boats and uh, all the safety equipment on board the vessel. So yeah, we're all trained and we do drills and exercises very regularly and just for this sort of occurrence. Uh, the Santiago had four crew members, uh, all safe and sound, fortunately. As far as rescues go, you know, how smooth was this one? Smooth as it could be, really. We were very lucky with the weather. Um, we had a, a good, uh, well-trained crew um, on board the Albatross Bay and also the crew on the Santiago were very responsive and very helpful, as we talked about. They, we do drills and we do exercises, but to do it in real life is, is different. So everyone, everyone performed very well, very professionally, very proud of them. Captain Gerard Woolridge on board the Sea Swift freight ship, the Albatross Bay, speaking after his crew came to the aid of the stricken trawler FV Santiago, in the waters off the coast of Cooktown. Thanks very much to Christopher Tester and Charlie McKillop for bringing us that story.